Brian Ministries International presents Todd Talks, featuring Todd Edwards. Kendra, you hit on a lot of things that uh, were in my notes that we'll go through today. <laughs> right in sync. Uh <clears throat> I think I also need to share, I wasn't planning on sharing, but I think I need to share after you prayed a little bit of uh, the attack that, that came against me today or this week. And it had, didn't have to do with bride. Uh, it had to do with uh, work. And the attack was, do you really trust the people that are close to you? And... <clears throat> My since that has been an attack in my life spiritually in the body of Christ, and it kind of goes back to what Molly says. Do you do you deal with it? Do you fight it? Do you run? My <clears throat> reaction has been fine. I'll just shake the dust off my feet and leave, and just go into the cave because I have no problem hanging out in the cave with God all all day long. <clears throat> and the attack that came from the enemy was was uh, so nasty that the the two people that I'm closest with in the workplace that are born again brothers and co-workers, co-laborers in Messiah, I heard the enemy's voice say, do you trust them? And I actually then immediately heard one of their spirits start to weep. Not because of my reaction, because I really didn't react, but because I had to listen to the accusation of our friendship. And there's things in our lives that we, we wrestle with, whether it's uh, physical health, whether it's financial things, there's, there's things in this world that are of the flesh, of, of the world, and that's one level of kind of struggle that we go through. And then there's another struggle that you know it's a spiritual attack when your spirit is waning and, and you feel that. that. That's kind of what happened this week. And I had to wrestle through that to get that out of me, to make sure that I was not going to react and go into the cave. I don't hold anything really in my hand. I have no problem if God says, Todd, go to the cave, go into the secret place. Okay, I'm gone. <laughs> I will go. Um, but that's not what we're called to do. We're called to go in the secret place and then go out, go into the secret place and go out. And Yeshua said, did this for us. He went to the mountain and hung out with the father and then he ministered to the people. And then he went to the mountain and hung out with the father. And then he ministered to the people. Exactly, Candace, be salt and light. Uh, that's what he's given us for. It's the salt and light is not just to hang out in the cave by yourself. If that's the case, then we all might as well go home right now. So that, that was the attack that <clears throat> was going on with me. Um, it's, it's a topic today in Isaiah, Jerusalem. And I was thinking that, ah, oh, we'll kind of nibble around, but we're going to get into this really deep. 
I am going to do my best to put a lot of scriptures in the, in the chat. This is going to be scripture heavy today. And we're going to plow through it. If I don't plow through it in this session, Isaiah is going to take many more months. So I'm going to plow. I'm going to do my best. <laughs> you guys hang in there with me. And let's go after this. The topic today is Jerusalem. Kendra opened up with the comment about elevate. I want to share this, this word elevate because that has been on my mind lately. Um, since we had a prayer session about two weeks ago, the word elevate in the Hebrew, and I'm going to put this into chat, is in two Hebrew words. When God does something, he does something. <laughs> Uh, so, so the first word in the Hebrew for elevate is strong 7311. It's pronounced room. And the first mention is Exodus 14.8. And, and there's a reason that we're going to go into elevate. And I think that the tone of the opening conversation that we had made a lot of sense with this word elevate. So Exodus 14.8. And it's in reference to, and Yahuwah hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with a high or an elevated hand. Interesting that that word's first mention is in the reference to Yahuwah's elevated high hand, of which we are in it. So that is one Hebrew word for elevate. I put in the chat another one. And this is going to make sense because you guys have heard this in our prayer. That is Strong's 5945 El Yan. So El Elyon, Yahweh El Elyon. That is the God most high. First mention. Also very interesting first mention because it ties into our text today. Genesis 14, 18. And this is what? The high priest, Malki Zadik, king priest. 14, 18. Genesis 14, 18. And Malki Zadik, king of Salem, which we're going to get into a lot today, brought forth bread and wine. He was the priest for the El Elyon, most high God. So we have this word elevate really referencing Yahuwah. He is high and lifted up. That's where it comes from. High Elyon. And lifted up, right hand, room, Yod, or Yad. That's, that's the combination of the two words in Hebrew for elevate. But there's also something else regarding elevate. And I'm going to put this in the chat, and we'll go into one or two of these verses from Deuteronomy, because it's not just in reference to Yahuwah. He then puts it upon us. So Deuteronomy, and we need that today. We all need it Deuteronomy 26, starting in verse 18. And Yahuwah has avouched you this day to be his peculiar people, as he promised you 
that you should keep all his commandments. And verse 19, and to make you Elyon above all the nations. Same word for goy, translated Gentiles. That's why that translation is always messed up. And I'm always going to repeat that with you guys. So make you Elyon above the goyim, which he has made in praise and in name and in honor that you may be a holy people unto Yahuwah, your Elohim, as he has spoken. So we are to be Elyon, elevated. It's in reference to Yahuwah. It's in reference to us. That's what he wants to do in us. Deuteronomy 28, verse 1. And it shall come to pass, if you shall hearken diligently to the voice of Yahweh your Elohim, to observe and to do all of his commandments, which I command you this day, that Yahweh your Elohim will set you Elyon above all the nations. And because he sets you Elyon, all, verse 2, all of these blessings shall come on you and overtake you, if you shall hearken diligently to the voice of Yahweh your Elohim. And I'm purposely skipping over the hearken diligently because i think we were end up that place today so elevate we are to be elevated have faith that he is he is the elevated one and he will elevate us so there's definitely a shift in the spirit going on um i have sensed it uh, my family sensed it people around me have sensed it i saw someone in the chat say there, there's heaviness that got shifted away and that almost that lifted just even the last day or two. There's definitely a shift going on. Um, part of my prayer language I've noticed is there is a greater intensity taking place, a very specific purpose taking place in the spirit, and even a greater violence toward my enemies. Almost as if time's up, action, let's go. You, you, have ex, you have reached the end of his mercy, you enemies. And now we need to continue to extend mercy to the lost. But the enemy's time is up. That's what I'm sensing. And I also have been praying very specifically for my timeline in my scroll to be guarded and kept. That that is supposed to take place and go forth, and there is nothing that's going to stop it. That's kind of the attitude that I have right now. Isaiah 66. <clears throat> Quick recap on what we've gone through with Isaiah 66 so far. Isaiah 66, one, verses 1 and 2, sets the stage of Yahuwah Elohim. Yahuwah Elohim being the creator. That's why he says, the heavens, the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Means he's the creator of all things. He's that big. He even condenses himself a little bit for us to say, you know what? Just the heaven is my, my throne. <laughs> There's even more beyond that. And he's greater than his throne, of course. So even that is a little bit condensed, but he sets the stage of him being creator. He then immediately jumps into verse two for all those things that my hand is made and all those things that have been said, says Yahuwah. But this is what I will look at 
a person that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembles at my word. Meaning that the entirety of all of heaven is nothing to his focus on someone that is brokenhearted and trembles at his word. So there is this creation element that he sets the stage with in this last chapter of Isaiah with intimacy. And this is different than Genesis 1-1, where there's the creator, but he doesn't get into the intimacy until he gets into the garden. But he does get into the garden. So see the parallel? There's this massive God out there, but there's intimacy. There's endlessness, but there's precision and finite relationship. That's the way it was in the beginning. And Isaiah is reminding us that's the way it'll be at the end. That's the setting for Zion giving birth. And we started to get into that last week, or last time, as Isaiah 66, we spent a lot of time in verses 7, 8, and 9, that Zion gives birth. And before she gives birth, Yeshua comes, the man-child comes. She's in travail and then is supposed to give birth all of a sudden. What is Zion giving birth to? Like we are made in the image of Yahuwah, Zion's children are in the image of her. She is a city on a hill. Therefore, she is going to give birth to cities on a hill. And that's part of the big revelation is Zion. We are citizens of Zion. We are Zion, but the multidimensional aspect of it is we are an individual in Zion, and then our city is Zion. So collectively, we're individuals in Zion, and collectively, we are cities in the city of Zion. And she wants to give birth to our cities onto the earth. That's why Isaiah speaks over and over again about rebuilding the waste cities and former desolations, which were the high places. Because those were, those were already established in the earth as part of creation of earth, but it was to birth Zion and it didn't, but it will. That's the background. Now we are going to shift into Isaiah 66 and let's read verses 10 through 13. That's going to be our text for today. Isaiah 66, verse 10. Rejoice you with Jerusalem and be glad with her and all you that love her. Rejoice for joy with her, all you that mourn for her. That you may suck and be satisfied. Now I'm reading from the King James, not Todd's revised translation. This is just pure King James. I would not use these words normally in my language, but this is what King James says. And be satisfied with the breasts of her consolations, that you may milk out and be delighted with the abundance of her glory. For thus says Yahuwah, behold, I will extend peace to her like a river. And the glory of the Gentiles, but really Goyim, nations, the glory of the nations, like a flowing stream, then you shall suck and you shall be born upon her sides and be dandled upon her knees. This is very funny, Kayla. 
<laughs> this is not my language. This is King James language. This is what they spoke, I guess, in 1610. <laughs> As one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. Really interesting language in the context of everything that we talked about as a recap. So today's context is all about Jerusalem and the birthing process and what is happening in the birthing. And if we go back to verse 10, rejoice you with Jerusalem and be glad with her and all you love her, rejoice for her, all you that mourn for her. I'll have to confess, um, I do not rejoice with Jerusalem. I'm not happy about Jerusalem. And the reason that I, when I think about Jerusalem, I think negative thoughts. And this is part of the mind shift that I've had to go through the past couple of weeks and that I want to walk you guys through. Because what comes to mind with Jerusalem is Zionism. What comes to mind with Jerusalem is Judaism, Zionism, Islam, false Christianity, all concentrated on it. What comes to mind with Jerusalem is that the Antichrist is going to stand up and say, I'm God. What comes to mind with Jerusalem is, is all of this, the sodomy and the ritual abuse and all the nastiness there. What comes to mind with Jerusalem is the persecution of Christians from thousands of years, even to today. I mean, I don't have a good mindset for Jerusalem, yet the scriptures say we are supposed to. So I needed to repent going through this process. And I want to walk you through that. Some of you might not, even, might not be where I'm at. And you're like, yeah, Jerusalem, great, because that's what the scripture says. Praise God. I, I have not been there the last couple of weeks. I've had to go through this process. So I want to walk you through some of the process of the depths of why Jerusalem is so important. We see it's important in scripture, but I want to walk you through the depths of why. So first of all, let's speak a little bit about what Jerusalem means. It's Hebrew, or Strong's. I'm going to put this in the chat. Jerusalem comes from two Hebrew words. Great. Um, Strong's 3384, Yah-Ra, um, and Strong's 7999, Shalom, Shalom. One of the kind of brother-sister words or root words of Shalom, peace. This is what it means. And there's a couple of ways to translate it as, as the scholars have translated. One of them means double peace. As soon as I saw that understanding of it's double peace. So go back to the root uh, peace. And we'll see this in Genesis 14. Malkit Zadik was the king of Salem. That's part of, that's Jerusalem. And then later became known as Jerusalem. He was the king of peace. So we, we got clearly got the peace piece. But now double peace, immediately what comes to mind, if that's the translation, is there is a peace on earth, and then there's a peace in the heavens, and then there is a connectivity to it. Likewise, what also comes as a double peace to me is the double blessing of Elijah. 
So Elisha asked for a double portion of his mantle. Therefore, with Malkit Zadik being the king of peace, when the high priest, the great Kohen Hagadal of Malkit Zadik's order, Yeshua comes, there will be a double mantle of peace coming. So that goes through my mind. Another meaning of Jerusalem is this. And we're going to go all the way through to how to get to this piece. Flow like a river of peace. There is a flowing of a river of peace coming from Jerusalem. Again, going back to my confession, I don't have that anywhere near my brain. Jerusalem, a river of peace? Are you kidding me? It wasn't even a river of peace when Israel came into it because it was occupied by the Jebusites. So what is it, God, about Jerusalem? Let's go into this. Um, Malachi. Well, we're going to go into a lot of scriptures because we have to build this up. For my own sake, I'm doing this also for me. I am embedding more truth in me about Jerusalem. As, and I see that through the scriptures. And you guys know this in the Bible study. I never want you guys to take my word for it. I want you to dig into it. I want you to see the scripture. I want you to feel the scripture because Yeshua is the scripture. So I'm not leading you to me. I'm leading you to Yeshua, which is the word and the word is God. So Malachi 3. Malachi, the last prophet before John the Baptist shows up on the scenes. <clears throat> Verses 1 through 5. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And Adonai, who you seek, shall come suddenly in his temple, even the messenger of the covenant. Oh, so we're thinking, ah, this is John the Baptist, and this is Yeshua's first coming. Aha, no. Let's keep reading. This is the second coming. This is the second coming of Elijah. Even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in, behold, he shall come, says Yahweh Saboth. But who may abide the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like a fuller's soap. This is his second coming. He did not come like this the first time. And he shall sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. That's the, that's the currency of man is silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi. He's purifying the priest. First, judgment starts at the house of God with the leadership, with the priests. And purge them as gold and silver that they may offer unto Yahweh an offering in righteousness, Zadik. Then shall the offering of Judah, then shall. So he first comes and cleans up his remnant priests. We are a kingdom of priests. Then what he does is he comes to clean up Judah. And we've talked a little bit about this. Israel shall be in peace and Judah shall be saved. Because Israel is unwed but saved. Judah is wed and not saved. And he's going to bring them two together. So he first talks about Israel as the priest. Now he says, then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem. 
be pleasant unto Yahuwah as in the days of old, as were the former years. And I will come near to you to judgment. And I will be a swift witnesses, a witness against the sorcerers and the adulterers and against the false swearers and against those that oppress the hireling of his wages, the widow, the fatherless. It's natural and it's also spiritual. And those that turn aside the stranger from his right and fear not me, says Yahuwah Sabaoth. So he's coming to Jerusalem to do this with severity, refiner's fire, severity. That's Malachi. Um, so we have this picture of, back up and now go back into context. Zion above spirit, Jerusalem below flesh. We ended last session with a couple comments about, well, is Jerusalem the mother? Is Zion the mother? So let's turn to Galatians chapter 4. Isn't that in the text? Galatians chapter 4, because Paul has the revelation, and he's going to explain this to us very specifically. Galatians chapter 4, starting in verse 19. He even uses the same language that's right from Isaiah 66. Galatians 4, 19. My little children... We just talked in, in Isaiah 66 about children and birthing, of whom I travail in birth again, until Messiah is formed in you. I desire to be present with you now to change my voice, for I stand in doubt of you. Interesting that that's also the attack that I had. I, stand, I stood in doubt of others. Verse 21, tell me, you that desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? Okay, I'm going to stop for a second. Also in the beginning of Isaiah 66, Isaiah 66 was separating out the remnant from the religious. We spoke about this. He was not separating out the remnant from the unbelievers. He wasn't separating out the kingdom of light from the kingdom of darkness. No, he was separating out those who seem to be godly. Those who seem to be followers of Messiah. This is the core attack that has always been, is coming alongside the body of Christ and adding truth in part and lies in part. Not 100% lies. We're not talking about paganism. We're talking about Christianity with a little bit of leaven in there. And then a little bit more leaven. It's the religious that are our biggest foes. It's the spirit of religion that seems to be the core of our attacks and our enemy. Satan was the leader of religion. He was the high priest to the angels, the great covering cherub. That's his comfort zone. That's his expertise. 
Galatians 4.21. So tell me, you that desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? We also have to understand there is the book of the law and the book of the covenant. We are talking about the book of the law here. The religious people trying to do the do's and don'ts. The Pharisees, the Sadducees. Today's world. The Baptists, the Lutherans, the Catholics. No, 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 no. Yep, all of them. That doesn't mean that there's not remnant in there. But that's religion. By the way, that also includes the Pentecostals. That includes the, evangel uh, the evangelists. That includes the prophetic movement. The whole swath of them. Whenever you get into the do's and don'ts, you become religious. It is the synagogue of Satan. It's not that far off of Zionism, by the way. I'm serious. Same root, same tree. 22. Galatians 4.22. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the bondmaid, the other by the free woman. But he of the bondwoman, Ishmael, was born after the flesh. But he after the free woman, Isaac, by promise. Also, always a seed line battle. We've always talked, we've talked about this a lot. Which things are an allegory? For these are two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai, which engenders to bondage, which is Hagar. So the book of the law that was given at Mount Sinai after the golden calf is in parallel Hagar and the result of the book of the law is Ishmael. Verse 25. For Hagar is Mount Sinai. By the way, Mount Sinai a mountain, a government. Religion is a mountain. Religion is a government. It's a governmental structure to overlord you. Yeshua told the disciples, do you want to be lords over everybody? No. Those that are greatest are servants. I did not teach you to lord over you, over the, all over the people. Same thing here. That's what religion is, lording over you. Verse 26. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free. Now, we have to keep in mind, there is earthly Jerusalem and there is heavenly Jerusalem. Mount Zion is heavenly Jerusalem. And then there's earthly Jerusalem. God's word is layers. Layers, layers, layers. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. So all believers are citizens of Zion and are birthed from Zion. Zion is wed to Yeshua, is not divorced. It is wed. That's why Isaiah 54 says the barren wife. She is married. Zion is married. She never 
committed adultery with Yeshua, like Israel did. We have to keep all these things straight in our mind because there's so many layers going on here. For it is written, rejoice, you barren that bear not. That's Zion, that's Jerusalem above. Break forth and cry, you that travails not, because Zion was not travailing for a long time. And then we were reading in Isaiah 66, now she's finally starting to travail. <clears throat> for the desolate, Hagar, Ishmael, its product, but the desolate religion has many more children than she, Zion, that has a husband. Meaning, all of those churches, all of those steeples, all of those synagogues, all of those mosques are many children of Hagar. Us who are remnant are very few. And we haven't been birthed as Zion onto the earth. We are seeds of Zion. The birthing is when our cities come down. We're citizens of Zion, but we haven't been birthed as Zion. Selah, think through that. We are citizens of Zion, but we have not been birthed as Zion. This is why all of creation groans waiting for the manifestation of us. Babylon, Hagar, has been made manifest. Its cities have been birthed. Zion's children, us, have not been birthed yet. But we're born again, yes. <laughs> in the heavens, as individuals in Zion. But as cities in Zion, our cities have not been birthed so earth has not received the children of Zion yet. I know it's really hard, but we're, we're children in different things. I'll give you this. We're sons. Dan talks about this all the time. We are sons, so therefore we have the birthright of inheritance. We're also daughters. We're daughters of Zion. And we haven't been birthed as daughters yet. sense. Keep going in Galatians. <clears throat> Verse 28. Now we, brothers and sisters, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. But as then, he that was born after the flesh, Ishmael, Babylon, the city of Babylon, daughters of Babylon, religion, persecute Isaac, born of the free, children of Zion, who are born after the Spirit, even so it is now. Nevertheless, what the scripture says, cast out religion, Hagar, and her offspring, her outcomes, all of her rituals, 
all of her covenants, everything. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman, us. So then, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. That's what Paul is getting at. He understands this whole thing. And it's not until I really dug into Isaiah with you all that I understood Galatians 4 in that full, that, that fullness. Because he's talking about so many layers in so many ways. That's Galatians 4. So that's the setup of free and in bondage. Back to Isaiah 66. This is thick. It's a very thick topic. Isaiah 66, verse 10. Isaiah 66, big concepts, big topics, all the way through. 66.10, rejoice you with Jerusalem and be glad with her. All you that love her, rejoice for joy with her. All you that mourn for her. I want to dig into this a little bit more because there's more hints now of the Holy Spirit working in my heart to repent from my wrong view of Jerusalem. So we talked about this whole birthing process. And heaven is, we know that heaven is nailed to the earth and the earth is nailed to the cross. And where was the cross? In Jerusalem. There is something there to it. So let's dig into this a little bit more. The word love that's there, I'm going to put this in the chat. So the word uh, from 6610, love, is Strong's 157, Ahab, and first mention, Genesis 22, verse 2. So this is love. Genesis 22, verse 2, first mention. And he said to Abram, take now your son, Isaac. And what did we just go through with Galatians was an allegory of Isaac being the offspring of Zion, the free woman. So this is referencing us. And he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, Ahab. See, Yahuwah loves Jerusalem like he loves his only son, like he loves us. And we are to love Jerusalem like that. It's the same word for love. So he's taking us back and tying us back to Jerusalem, Mount Moriah, he's taking us back to tying it to the father loving the son. Now, just a little side note on the whole Abraham, Isaac um, play that took place there. Keep in mind that there are two meanings with Isaac. It is, yes, the father loving Yeshua as his only son. But also Yeshua is the ram caught in the thicket. It's also the father loving us as Isaac, according to Galatians 4. We are Isaac. But we don't 
get killed as a sacrifice, the ram does. Think through that a little bit. We, we are Isaac, and he loves us with everything. So that's the, that's the message of love there. It's that strong of a word that the father loves the son. The father loves us. He also loves Jerusalem. And so we are to love Jerusalem as well. So I was reading through that. I was like, eh, okay, <laughs> I got to work through that some more. And by the way, Jerusalem, and God was talking to me about this, has been beat up like no other city spiritually ever on the face of the earth. There's no other city that has been abused spiritually like Jerusalem. It's been abused by Israel itself. It was abused by the Jebusites. It was abused by the Canaanites. It was abused by Babylon, by Persia, by the Medes, by the Greeks, by the Romans, by the Muslims, by the Zionists. It gets abused. It's been abused and abused and abused and abused. So who am I to say, I hate Jerusalem for its abuse? I mean, aren't we in Bride Tribe, a, a, a family a, a, with many survivors? Who are we to say, really? It's kind of the same thing. And that's what God was sharing with me. Who am I to say, I hate the abused? No, you hate the abuser. And that's the same thing with Jerusalem. Jerusalem has been abused. So it's, again, he's kind of going, taking me through a mind shift on, on my thought on Jerusalem. Here, here's another word to, to think about, the word rejoice. Um, throughout scripture, there's this constant rejoicing, rejoicing, rejoicing over Jerusalem. And I'm, I'm going to put in my notes a whole bunch of passages about rejoice um, regarding Jerusalem and how it goes through this this process of struggling. Lamentations chapter two is all about Jerusalem and the, the burden of Jerusalem, almost like losing the battle. And then there's this give and take going on throughout scripture. Um, so I don't want to go through that. But what I do want to highlight in scripture is Micah, because Micah, I think, shares some insight on, on this battle taking place. So turn with me to Micah, and I'll put this in the chat. Micah 3, chapter 9. So in my notes, I will share many other passages. Um, but I do want to share with you Micah chapter 3, starting in verse 9. Yahweh is talking to the leadership in Israel at the time, which, by the way, is the leadership of the body of Messiah, which is us. He's talking to the remnants. So he's, he's correcting me. He's correcting you. Micah 3, verse 9. Hear this. I pray you, you heads of the house of Jacob and the princes of the house of Israel. So you have the, in the natural, the leadership of Jacob and in the spiritual, the leadership of Israel. Remember, Jacob, flesh, Israel, spirit that abhor judgment and pervert equity. Whoa. He just said, we pervert judgment 
And we are dealing with inequity. It's within us. Tying it back to Isaiah, it's the religion stuff that's in us. We still got it. We still have that religion. They build up Zion with blood. Ugh. And Jerusalem with iniquity. So religion within us. See, Satan can't get to Zion except through us he can affect. It's, it's, it's like a, a, a brass ceiling. And then he wants to abuse Jerusalem through us because our birthing of Zion, us, starts in the earth through Jerusalem. So he does it through religion. Verse 11, the heads thereof, us, judge for reward. This is part of religion also. We don't love unconditionally all the time. We love for reward, for an exchange. We do it for an outcome. We do it for our own benefit. That is religion. That's the spirit of religion. It's not unconditional love. It's for a purpose. Guess what? Another language, more language for it. It's exchange. It's a trade. Trading. Covenants, agreements, oath. That's what we're doing. And the priests thereof teach for hire. Oh my goodness. So anyone that has an anointing as a teacher or a prophet, they immediately get pulled and tested. You could make a lot of money off of this. And the prophets thereof divine for money. You guys hearing this stuff? And say, is not Yahweh among us? Thus says Yahweh. What a bunch of garbage. None evil can come upon us. Therefore shall Zion for your sake be plowed as a field. And Jerusalem shall become heaps. And the mountain of the house as the high places of the forest. Now remember on the earth there was Zion the fort that was overseeing Jerusalem. So Micah is saying because that you have embedded in you Jerusalem. I'm embedded in you the city of Babylon religion. I'm going to have to reset the earth. Reset the place of Zion, the fort. And reset Jerusalem on earth. Micah chapter 4, he keeps going now. Thank Yahuwah for the word but. <laughs> That's how he starts. We're described in Isaiah and Micah 3. Now we get to get Yahuwah's description. But in the last days, it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of Yahuwah shall be established in the top of the mountains. Meaning his government in Zion, of which we are in the spirit, will go on to the mountains of the earth, which we are still operating in the flesh with religion, and he will overtake those governments. 
That's why we have to get all this stuff out of us so we're not part of those mountains. We're a part of the mountain, which is Zion. Shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted. There's that word lifted up, elevated above the hills, the smaller portions of government. And people shall flow like a river, like a river to it. And many nations shall come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of Yahuwah. He's now established Zion onto the earth. And to the house of Elohim of Jacob. And he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths, for the Torah shall go forth of Zion. Zion is now on the earth. And the word of Yahuwah from Jerusalem. And it keeps going. So Micah sees this as well. Isaiah 66, verse 11. Isaiah 66, verse 11. So the next verse. That you may suck and be satisfied with the breasts of her consolations, that you may milk out and be delighted with the abundance of her glory. All right, so this is baby child language. It's confirming that Jerusalem will be a daughter or a child of Zion. There's, there, there's that lang- that's why the language is there. Jerusalem is there. It's supposed to be this full city, but yet it's going to be a child. It's going to be a daughter of Zion. That's what Isaiah is getting at with this language. The word consolation comes from the word comfort, which is the same word that Isaiah uses. Isaiah 40 verse 1. Let's take a look at this. It's like he's now he's even first mentioning his own scriptures. <laughs> Just in case we didn't get it. By the way, I'm using this again. Here's the highlight. Go back to Isaiah 40, verse 1. And he's reminding us, comfort, consolation you. Consolation you or comfort you. My people, says Elohim. Why should we be comforted, Isaiah? Verse 2, 40. Isaiah 40, verse 2, speak you comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished or completed, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received the Yahweh's hand double for all of her sins. So what's, what Isaiah is saying is Jerusalem is going to go through a rebirthing process. It is an abused city that has birthed Babylon. And all of the birds of the sky, all of the unclean spirits have been attacking her and attacking her and attacking her and attacking her. And she needs to be encouraged. So what I have been doing is I have been neglecting Jerusalem. I have been neglecting the birthing place of Zion. So I'm teaching on Zion. I'm praying for Zion to give birth, but now I am blocking the location of the birthing point. It's disconnected. 
So now I need to start praying for the birthing point and start comforting Jerusalem that she would be born again as a child with her mother being Zion, the mother of us all. A lot of heavy stuff and big concepts in the scripture on this. That's the mentality that we have. Uh, so this is another reference to what Shannon, I mean, uh, Kendra prayed in the beginning, the source of blessing. And I want to share this in the chat. So Isaiah 66, verse 11, where is the source of the blessing? The source of the blessing of the consolations of the comforting are the breasts. It's the breasts of Zion. Now let's dig into this because there's a beautiful picture even within that. So the Strong's word is 7699, which is shad. Some of you guys are going to get this. Right away, you already know this right away. You will all get this in a moment. This shad is the root of shaddai. So John 1.18 says that Yeshua was from the breast or is the bosom, the shad of the Father. First mention of the word shad. Check this out. I'll put this in the chat. Genesis 49. Tell you we're going to go through a lot of scriptures because I am building my own faith in Jerusalem. Genesis 49. Verse 25. Now this ties us back to Joseph, ties us back to the birthright. So this is Jacob's blessing upon Joseph and his kids. Genesis 49, verse 25. Even by the L of your fathers, Jacob's talking, now he's Israel, is talking to Joseph. Who shall help you and by Shaddai, the Almighty, Who shall bless you with the blessings of heaven above? Blessings of the deep that lie underneath. Blessing of the shad, the breasts, and of the womb. So you have El Shaddai that blesses in all of these ways, including shad. It's the first mention of shad. Time to Joseph, time to El Shaddai. Beautiful picture. First mention of Shaddai. Love this too. Put this in the chat. Genesis 17. So we back up a little bit more. I don't know if we, I think we've done a study in Genesis to some degree, but like Genesis has the keys to everything all over the place. Genesis 17 verse 1. And when Abram was 99 years old, Yahuwah appeared to him. Now I thought, no man has seen the father except the son. 
And Moses said, we can't see you lest we die. But yet Moses saw the father. Huh? He appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am El Shaddai. Wait a minute. El Shaddai appeared to Abraham and said, walk before me and be perfect. Now, if we jump ahead to Genesis 18, verse 2, and Abram lift up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men stood before him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them at the tent door and bowed himself to the ground and said, My Adon, if I have found favor in your sight, pass not away. I pray from your pray, pray you from your servant. And what he does is then Adon speaks to him. El Shaddai speaks to him. So you have the father who is hidden. And the son, who is the revelation of the father, the Shad, the El Shaddai. That's why we cannot see the father, but we do see the son. And then the son says, you want to see the father? Look at me. <gasps> That's Shad. That's why Isaiah is talking in this language that Shad, El Shaddai, is going to birth. He was the man child that came onto the earth first to lead the way for Zion city, Zion's kids to be birthed. Really cool. Isaiah 66, 12. Back to Isaiah. For this says Yahuwah, I will extend peace for her like a river and the glory of the nations from a flowing stream. So I mentioned the, the definition of Jerusalem here a little bit, like a river flowing of peace. So let's turn. El Shaddai has something to say about like a river flowing. Let's turn to John chapter 7. Ay, 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 all of this ties together in a beautiful, beautiful tapestry. John chapter seven, verse 33. Then Yeshua said to them, and he's speaking to the religious, the Pharisees, yet a little while I am with you and then I will go that sent him. So the Pharisees are all murmuring and complaining. Of course, the disciples are there too. You shall seek me and shall not find me for where I am. You cannot come. Then said the Jews amongst themselves, meaning they're the Zionists. They're the religious. They're not the house of Judah. They are the Zionists. And for those of you that have heard, heard me talk through that, the definition of Jew is many fold. This, in this case, the Jews, the Pharisees are the Zionists. They're the religious. They're, they're the vipers. They're the sons of Satan. They're the ones that say they're Jews, but they're not really. They're the synagogue of Satan. So then the Zionists amongst themselves, uh, where will he go that we do not find him? Will he go and amongst the dispersed, amongst the nations? They, they knew Israel was dispersed. And teach the nations? 
almost referencing Isaiah. What manner of saying is this that he says, you seek me and I will not, and you will not find me where I go, uh, where I am, you cannot come. He's saying to them, you cannot, you do not have access to Zion because you are not citizens of Zion. But to those that are poor and of a contrite spirit, welcome into my kingdom. You can come where I go. Now, verse 37. Now, the context of verse 37 is the Feast of Tabernacles. Fall festival, last feast of the Feasts of Yah. So going back just a little bit of context, you have Exodus chapter 23 talks about the Feast of Yahuwah before the Book of the Law, a spring festival, a summer festival, and a, and a fall festival, all harvest fests. Then after the Book of the Law is added, there are blood sacrifices added to feasts, and now there are seven of them according to Leviticus 23. This is the Feast of Tabernacles that Yeshua is now in Jerusalem for, and it starts off on day one of the seventh month, the blowing of the trumpets, that's the day of trumpets, then on day 10 is the day of atonement that we see in Zechariah chapter 14, 12 to 14 for Judah, because they have not received atonement. We've received atonement. That's why we're saved and they're not saved. Then begins the Feast of Tabernacles, which is also referred to as the wedding celebration. And it's a seven-day celebration. So when Yeshua gets up Right when we're about to read, John chapter 7, verse 37, it is the last day of the seven-day festival of the wedding. That's why this is a huge deal. John chapter 7, verse 37. In the last day, the great day of the feast, that's what I just described. Yeshua stood and cried, saying, if any man thirst... Let him come unto me and drink the river of life, flowing like a river. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the spirit, which they believe on him should receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because that Yeshua was not yet glorified. So this is the parallel of what's happening in Isaiah 66, verse 12. For thus says Yahuwah, behold, I will extend peace to her, Jerusalem, like a river. So Jerusalem itself, by definition, is the river of peace. On the last great day of his return, his second coming, he is going to flow Zion out of his belly into Jerusalem like a river. It is the culmination of the wedding feast, not between Yeshua and Jerusalem. And I'm sorry, not between Yeshua and Zion. Get this. It is Zion to earth because at that point in time, earth will be married to Zion. That's why Isaiah 62 says in your land, your land, Jerusalem, the earth will be a married land. See, Yeshua's return is not just for us. It is also for Zion. It is also for the birthing of Zion into, Zion, into Jerusalem. And it is the manifestation of the earth's groaning to say, yes, they have come. That's why John 7 was so significant. 
He was playing this out. This is the first coming. It's going to be the release of the Holy Spirit. The second coming is going to be the release of Zion's kids into Jerusalem and into the earth. Flowing like a river. Jerusalem means like a river flowing peace out of his belly. That's what all that means. This is the language that Isaiah is using. Hmm. Hmm, 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 hmm. Isaiah 66, verse 13. As one whom his mother <laughs> comforts. So Zion is comforting Jerusalem and is comforting us, so I will comfort you, and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. See how many layers all this is coming together with? I want to conclude by going one more verse, and then that's kind of how we're going to stop this in today, I think. Isaiah 66, verse 14. Let's read this one, too. And when you see this, I hope we are those that see this. I want to see this. And when you see this, your heart shall rejoice. We're, we're, we're going to have all of this activated in us. My realm that is in heaven with my mansion in the city that I have been building with Yeshua is going to be made manifest onto the earth because Zion is going to be birthed into Jerusalem. You don't think my heart's going to rejoice? I mean, Shannon's vision of, of the three trees and the animals, you don't, this is what they're waiting for. They want to be set free from the bondage of religion. They're under the curse of religion. My heart's going to explode for joy because everything is going to be let loose in the earth. Everything is going to be let loose in my flesh on the earth. There's going to be connectivity between heaven and earth. This is why we're going to rejoice in it all is focused. Heaven nailed to earth, earth nailed to the cross in Jerusalem. It's all in Jerusalem. Holy Spirit to Todd. Todd, so why aren't you rejoicing and praying for Jerusalem? <laughs> I, I repent, Father. I will. That's <laughs> so what's going on. So when you see this, your heart shall rejoice. Your bones shall flourish like an herb. I want to talk about that a little bit because of the language that Isaiah is using. So the word flourish and bones flourishing, I'm going to put this in the chat. Comes from Strong 6524, Paul Roth. First mention. Guess who the first mention is about and the hint. I think you guys will get this because it's a pattern over and over again. First mention in Genesis 40, verse 10, 
about flourishing. <clears throat> Joseph is explaining a dream. And he's explaining the chief butler's dream. Genesis 40, verse 10. And in the vine, vine, were three branches. And it was though it had budded, and her blossoms shot forth, and the clusters thereof brought forth ripe grapes. Joseph, and we've, we've talked a little bit about this in the past, is representative of the vine. Joseph is, is, is the leader of the house of Israel. Judah is the leader of the house of Judah, is represented by the fig. So for those of you who haven't heard this before, when Yeshua cursed the fig tree, it was in reference to the Zionists, to the religious house that had infiltrated Judah, said they were Jews, but were not Jews. They were a synagogue of Satan. So he cursed that tree. Joseph is connected to the vine. So the first mention of flourish is like a vine flourishing. Joseph is the birthright. So for us that are Israel, we are grafted into the birthright as sons of inheritance. So going back to Isaiah 66, verse 14, the reference is, my heart is going to rejoice when all of this happens, and Joseph's birthright blessings are going to overflow throughout the entire earth. Going back to what we read before in Genesis 49, that blessings from the heavens, blessings from the earth, blessings from the deep, blessings from under the earth, blessings from the shad, the breast, they're all for Joseph. They're all for us, for Israel. They all get made manifest into the earth. So all the struggles that we're going through right now, there will be a bursting of blessings taking place and the earth gets reconfigured. Isaiah 66, 14, that's what he's describing. Your bones will flourish. Now, the opposite use of, the, of the word, that word flourish, that also describes how leprosy spreads. So like a vine spreads in a good way, leprosy spreads in a bad way, and that's religion. That's tied in with the sin nature and the transgression, which its root is always tied to religion. Because everything is spiritual. The atheists are religious. Of course they are. Their religion is trying not to be religious. <laughs> everything is religious. So that's the bones. Not that there's, there's some more stuff going on. So when we think about this, this birthright battle that's constantly taking place, Isaiah 66, 14, shall flourish like an herb. The hand of Yahweh shall be known toward his servants. And I think this is an indication of how, how we should conclude today is what do we do now? So what happens is, as all of this is happening, then Yahuwah's hand shall be known to his servants. 
in his indignation to his enemies. So this thing that we're struggling with so much, God, by faith, we are going to walk. And we share this in the beginning. At that time, he's going to reveal his hand. And the whole plan gets laid out. This is also part of the bursting and the rejoicing of our hearts. I knew you were good. I knew your mercy endured forever. I was holding fast. Actually, you were really holding fast to me, but it felt like I was holding fast to you. And he reveals it all. And there's going to be so much satisfaction of why this and what, what about this and what about this person and how long did it, your patience, Scott, why did we have to go through this? All of those things, boom, it's going to be answered. An incredible rejoicing taking place. So what do we do today, right now, to position ourselves for this? What are we supposed to do? There's the hint of the word servant. And the hint of the word keep. And I want to talk a little bit about this in closing. So the word servant. Because as his father's at this time, he will, his hand will be revealed to his servants. I want to share about this word because the enemy has really messed up this word. The word servant is abed, Strong's 5650. The first mention of it is in reference to when Ham does something with Noah and Canaan is cursed. And Canaan will be a servant of the servant. Meaning Canaan, the plan was Canaan to serve Shem. God's people who are servants to Yahuwah would be served by the enemy's kids. So the enemy has been trying to reverse this ever since and is trying to make us servants of him. And he does this through religion. He does this through bondage in all kinds of ways. Physical bondage, financial bondage, mental bondage, relational bondage. I mean, bondage, 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 bondage. Negative service. Negative being a servant. Because being a servant is actually supposed to be beautiful in a way. Let me share this with you. In the chat. Exodus 21. Exodus 21, verse 1. So this is under the book of the covenant. This is not the book of the law. This is under the book of the covenant. And then this whole passage about servants. Why would Yahweh put in the book of the covenant, some language about servants, because there's something for us here. Now, these are the judgments which you shall set before them 
Exodus 21, verse 6. So if a servant then fulfills his mission and is set free, listen to this. Exodus 21, verse 6. Oh, I'll back up, verse 5. And if a servant shall openly, plainly say, I love my master, my wife and my children, I will not go out free. I mean, even though I've completed my service to you, master, I want to stay. Then his master shall bring him to the judges, and he shall bring him to the door, unto the doorpost, and his master shall bore a hole in his ear with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. The word here in the description is used frequently by the apostles in their epistles. When Paul is talking about being a bond servant, and he has a nail driven through his ear to the door, He's talking about this. He willingly, freely chooses to serve Yeshua. And he's attaching himself to the door, the gate, which is Yeshua. He has been set free from the bondage of corruption, but he doesn't want to be free from Yeshua. So Satan has taken this whole idea of service and has really mangled it. Because Satan did not want to come under service to Yahuwah. And he doesn't want us to come under service to Yahuwah. So he abuses the whole thing about service. Two advances ago, I shared a message about the different realms within our spirits. So the ruler and the teacher and the prophet and the servant and the exhorter and the mercy and the giver. And Dan and I have been talking lately about there's more. There's actually a creation piece and there's some other things going on. But the biggest realm in our spirits that have the most access to the most amount of the angelic host is the service realm. And unfortunately, this is one of the biggest neglected parts of our realms is serving in a righteous manner. Because most of the service has been corrupted and we serve in a religious fashion to get something. The world teaches us this. Do your job and you get paid. So service is supposed to be a beautiful thing. So how do we position ourselves right now? Let's go back to the garden. And there's, this is going to be the last passage, I think, for today. Uh, let's do the last passage for today. I told you we're going through a lot, a lot, a lot of scriptures. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 2. So Isaiah 66 starts with our creator and intimacy. I reference Genesis 1 creation. The garden is the intimacy piece. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. 
And Yahweh Elohim took the man and put him in the garden. Put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the words there are abed, which means to serve. And to guard. Man's first task, his first commandment to fulfill, was to serve. To serve what? To serve an intimate relationship with our Creator. It is the root of everything. That's why when all of this happens in Isaiah 66, his hand is revealed to his servants. Those who freely choose to guard and to serve the place of intimacy. You can see now why the attack from the enemy that I described in the beginning was 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 so to my core because what he's basically saying is I know I can't change your relationship with God. I can't even mess up your service to him because you love him so much. You'll run to the place. You'll run to the garden. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to cut you off from sharing that from anybody. I don't want you to share that place with anybody. That was the attack of the enemy. I don't want you to share the whole piece is serving the intimate relationship you have with God. Your bond with him is so tight, but I don't want you to share that bond with anybody else. And that's what was hitting me as I'm looking at this. Because that is his heart for everybody. And there's people that are just saying no. They have no clue. They have no clue of the love. We talked about how we hang on by faith and know so little. Imagine those that don't have the Holy Spirit. They are so blind and deaf. And who am I to say, you know what? Yeah, those abused ones that have been abused spiritually, I'm going to negate them and I'm going to run back to my garden. No, I got to bring some of the fruit and the vegetables of of the garden to them. It's the same thing with Jerusalem. So it goes all the way back to service and to guarding the service. Embed and shamar. Now that word shamar about the guard, it's the same root word as the word. So right there in the garden, right there in the whole thing about us to keep and to guard, to dress and to keep, however the, your translation is, embed and shamar, it ties us right back to serve Yeshua. That's the whole message. That's what we have to do every moment, every day.
serve Yeshua, and then we're going to be positioned in a place. When he comes back, his hand will be revealed to us, and our heart will be bursting forth with rejoicing. So beautiful. So beautiful. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for revealing to us your plan and your love for Jerusalem. May we rejoice and pray for her. Because we understand that her freedom is tied to the earth's freedom, is tied to our freedom on the earth. It will be the fullness of us taking and fulfilling the dominion of the earth. As the sons of God and as the daughters of Zion. We thank you that you have never leave us or forsake us and you will never leave us or forsake us, but you will come and make your abode in us. You and the father would come and dwell in us and we in you. And you will be our Elohim and we will be your people. I pray for everyone here and everyone listening that they would experience the kiss of the sun. They would experience the empowering from his mouth, from his word. They would experience the arming and the weapons of his word, of his mouth. We thank you that your breath resides in us. Father, we repent from fighting against your refiner's fire and your fuller soap. So we embrace it and say more. And Father, when it's the enemy that is coming against us, we sit comfortably under the shadow of your wings and may your arrows fly out and send the enemies in seven directions and have no mercy upon them. So for this day, we collectively take the sword of your presence and drive it into our timelines in our scrolls. And we guard and protect the timelines, not only in our own lives, but also in our cities in Zion and also in the earth's birthing of Zion into Jerusalem and into the entire earth. And we say to the enemy, you have no place here. You have no authority to change the timeline. You have no authority to come into the garden anymore. We claim the Garden of Eden back now in Yeshua's name. For the entire earth. For the heavens and the earth are yours. And the earth you have given to the children of mankind. We lift up Jerusalem and pray for her. And we comfort her. Knowing that her day will come. when Zion's travailing will give birth unto her daughter in Jerusalem. 
And in that day, all the sorcerers and all the evildoers and all the liars and all the adulterers and all those that wish her harm and have done harm to her will be cast out. And they will be repaid double for what they have done to her. Father, we lift up the bread of life and we take and eat upon it, knowing that this is the, the bread of your covenant and it is your body. So we take and eat and partake. And Father, we lift up the cup of the covenant, the blood of the great, and we rejoice for the covenant that you have shed your own blood for us to be reconciled to you and to one another, and we drink, and we celebrate you. And we look forward to the day of your return, for at the Feast of Tabernacles during the wedding, you will once again eat and drink with us of this cup. And Zion will come bursting forth from your belly. I pour the oil of strength upon everyone that it may seep into their bones, into their spirits, and into their wills, that they would remain strong and courageous to keep up the good fight of faith. I speak strength into your remnant now in Yeshua's name. I lift up the weak. I dust off those that have fallen down in the dirt. Give them clean garments of righteousness this day. Loose the angels from the armory to polish up their armor. To re-equip them with the armor and the weapons that you have given them. And ask for your glory to shine on them from your breastplate now in Yeshua's name. Yes, may your kabod encircle them round about. We thank you for the time that you have ordained that we could gather and share and lift up one another, iron sharpening iron, as we gather in the great mountain of the holy city of Zion, the cloud of witnesses. In Yeshua's name, amen. You've just listened to Todd Talks here at Bride Ministries International. Be sure to visit our website at bridemovement.com. You can support us by leaving a donation. You can also check out our other offerings, such as our church. You can check out our institute. We offer prayer resources and, of course, so much more.